long. 60. It's hard to believe that we've made it through 60, well, 59, about to be 60 psalms. At the same time, it's hard to believe that we've only made it through 60 psalms. <laughs> well, we're in Psalm, Psalm 60 uh, this evening. And let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we rejoice in the truths that we have just sung, the truths of the grace of God, the grace that keeps us, that will never let us go. Even as we just sang in that last song, your will will not lead me where your grace cannot keep me. Heavenly Father, what hope there is for us in a sovereign God, a God who loves us, a God who cares for us, a God who is working all things for our good and for your glory. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would give us faith to trust you, that we would rest in you, that we would abide in you and in your love. Heavenly Father, even this evening as we turn to this psalm, I pray that you would work through your word, that uh, as we worship through the word, as we gather later for prayer, that you'd be honored in all that is said and done. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm 60. O God, you have cast us off. You have broken us down. You have been displeased. O restore us again. You have made the earth tremble. You have broken it. Heal its breaches, for it is shaking. You have shown your people hard things. You have made us drink the wine of confusion. You have given a banner to those who fear you that it may be displayed because of the truth, Selah. That your beloved may be delivered, save with your right hand, and hear me. God has spoken in his holiness. I will rejoice. I will divide Shechem and measure out the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine and Manasseh is mine. Ephraim also in the, is the helmet for my head. Judah is my lawgiver. Moab is my washpot. Over Edom I will cast my shoe. Philistia shout in triumph because of me. Who will bring me to the strong city? Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, O God, who cast us off? And you, O God, who did not go out with our armies? Give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. Through God we will do valiantly, for it is he who shall tread down our enemies. Psalm 60 is a lament, and we see the typical progression of a lament. It starts with uh, a difficult situation. O Lord, you've cast us off. You have made the earth to tremble. You have broken it. You've shown your people hard things. And it works its way from fear from trouble to hope and to faith the situation of psalm 60 as you see there um, in the description to the chief musician set to lily of the testimony a miktam of david for teaching for teaching specifically this psalm is written for the purpose of teaching it could be for teaching for those going through difficult situations something to to teach to show this is how to respond. 
situation in which it was written is when he fought against Mesopotamia and Syria of Zobah, and Joab returned and killed 12,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. It's an interesting, interesting situation. Uh, as, you, as you look at it, it comes from uh, what many, many scholars think is 2 Samuel 8, verses 1 to 14. Um, and I believe I wrote that down wrong. I actually think it's 2 Chronicles, or maybe 1 Chronicles. It's 8, 1 to 14, whichever one it is. So just go to all three of those, you'll figure it out. Uh, but the situation basically is that David is in the midst of a successful military campaign. campaign. He's fighting up in the north, and then in the south, to his surprise, out of nowhere, Edom attacks. And it's devastating. Ultimately, David rallies the troops and responds in a resounding victory. But as he finds himself in that situation, as, as, as he is, he thought, was winning, and now he finds himself on the run, now he finds himself surprised, how could this happen? How could this happen? And that's what you see as you work your way through this. David starts with confusion, and then he moves to confession, and finally he moves to confidence. And the first thing we see in the first four verses is confusion. How could this happen? Oh God, you've cast us off. You've broken us down. You have been displeased. Verse 2, you have made the earth tremble. You have broken it. Verse 3, You have shown your people hard things. You have made us drink the wine of confusion. What is going on? Notice in his confusion, David does not blame God. He cries out to God. He recognizes that his current predicament is not God's doing, or is God's doing. It's not the Edomites who have done this. It's not the Philistines who have done this. It's God. You have cast us off. You have broken us down. You have been displeased. And notice that at the same time that David recognizes that this is God's doing, he recognizes that God is also his only hope. It is God who has done this, and it is God who is my hope. That's why at the end of these verses, in verse 60, Oh God, you've cast us off. And then he cries out, Oh, restore us again. Verse 2, you have made the earth to tremble. Heal its breaches for it is shaking. You have done this and you've done it for a reason. And you can fix it. When you recognize God's sovereignty, you can respond rightly. That's what's happening here. David finds himself in a confusing situation. There's chaos all around him. What is going on? I don't know, but this I know, that God has done it. Oh, God, fix it. He recognizes that God is is doing this. God is still sovereign. He's not lost control. And so he runs to his God. Restore us again. Heal its breaches. The idea in verse 2 of an earthquake, something that should be solid, and yet the ground is shaking. It's a surprise, right? You don't know when an earthquake's going to come. 
You're standing on solid ground, and next thing you know, it's shaking. I've, I've never been in one, but I imagine that's what happens. You're, you're standing there. You, you expect it. It catches you by surprise. It causes confusion. What is going on? You've shown your people hard things. Here we find God's people, and they find themselves confused. They're confused between what they, what they feel and what they are seeing and what they know to be true about God. We know this is who you are, God. We know this is what you have promised. But as we look around, we don't understand what you're doing. We know it is your doing. We don't know what you're doing. We don't know why you're doing it. You've shown your people hard things. You have made us to drink the wine of confusion. Confusion. Like a drunk, disoriented. When I was in college down at Bob Jones University after uh, a Sunday night, after being at my parents' church, we uh, had gone over to my parents' house, and it was myself and Adam Matson was there uh, and Ryan Humberg. And it came time to head back to campus, and so we all loaded in my car, and we were driving back to campus, and we get to this intersection, and the light is yellow. But it turns yellow right as I'm going through it, and the car sitting to turn must think that I'm going to stop. So he turned right in front of me. So I T-boned him at 45 miles an hour. It was, it was not, not a pretty scene. But I remember in the moments afterwards, I don't remember the collision at all, but I remember the afterwards just sitting there and being in complete confusion. What, what do I do now? I remember kind of getting out of the car and standing there in the middle of a major intersection, just kind of standing there, like looking at my car. And then I, I looked at the other car and I started walking over there to make sure they were okay. And then other people went and helped them. And so then I turned around to my car I just kind of looked at I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I'm just standing in the middle of the road. And I, well, I'll get my phone. And I go to get my phone. I can't find my phone. And so I, I was confused. Adam was there, Adam Matson, and, and he had the same thing. He just kind of sat there. For the longest time, we actually thought something was wrong with him. Because he, he went and sat on the side of the road. And he was, just, he was just sitting there, just kind of staring. Like, hello, Adam. <laughs> he was just... We were confused. We'd been in the middle of something. And, and I remember get, getting up and I remember kind of, uh, uh, you know, seeing lights and seeing things going on and hearing things. But everything seemed to be in slow motion. Just what is going on? That's kind of the idea here. David and the army have been completely hit. They didn't see this coming and now they're standing there in confusion. God, what are you doing, God? What is going on? Restore us. Help us. Notice verse 4. You've given a banner to those who fear you that it may be displayed because of the truth. The idea of a banner, it's a rallying point in the midst of confusion. Specifically, in a, in, specifically the idea here is a banner. So Jerusalem, it's a walled city, but around the wall were people who lived outside. 
who took care of groves or different things, farms. And when an army was coming, when there was a, a threat, they would raise a banner on that wall. And when those outside the wall saw the banner, they knew to grab their possessions, grab their family, and rally inside the wall. Get to safety. Rally together. God's people have a rallying point in times of trouble. We have a hope in the chaos of confusion. David has, has no idea what to do. He doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know where to go. But this he knows that he has a rally point in his God. I can go to him. And that's exactly what he does. From the confusion of the first four verses, uh, in the next four, ver four verses, verses five to eight, there's confession. Not confession of sin, but confession of David's need for his God. You are my rally point. He starts out, that your beloved may be delivered, save with your right hand and hear me. He doesn't understand what's going on. He, doesn't, he, he can't fully grasp it, but this he knows is going to cry out to his God. That your beloved, those whom you love, those whom you care about, David, Israel, your people, we are your beloved God. You have made us promises. Remember those. Don't abandon us. Deliver us. That your beloved may be delivered. Save with your right hand. Your hand of strength. Save and hear me. Verse 5 is a prayer. A prayer for deliverance. In the midst of this confusion. In the midst of this chaos. And God answers in verses 6 to 8. And notice how he answers, verse 6. God has spoken in his holiness. God answers. In all of his greatness from his holy mountain, in his uniqueness, his, his faithfulness. I will rejoice. It's interesting as you work your way through here is all these different uh, places. You have Shechem, the Valley of Succoth. You have Gilead, Manasseh, Ephraim, Judah, Moab, Edom, Philistia. The idea here, in verse 6 to 8, is all of the land. All of it. So I will divide Shechem, that's west of the Jordan. The Valley of Succoth, that's east of the Jordan. Gilead and Manasseh, they are east of the Jordan. Ephraim is northwest. Judah is southwest. These are all in, in Israel. Say, save us all. And God says, I will save you all. The entirety of your land. But what's interesting is verse 8. It's not just that, but he includes three enemies. Moab, Edom, and Philistia. They're neighboring enemies of Israel. Moab is to the east. Edom is to the south. Philistia is to the southwest. And they're included in this. Because what God is saying is, I rule over my people. 
I rule over my people's enemies. The idea is simply that God rules. I will answer, David. I will hear. I will save with my right hand because I am the God who rules over all of them. You may have no idea what is going on, but I know exactly what is going on. I know exactly where you are. I rule over Shechem, over the valley of Succoth, over Gilead, over Manasseh, over Ephraim, over Judah. I even rule over Moab and Edom and Philistia. Moab is my wash pot. Even Moab. They're my wash pot. The wash pot, would, we just in John, a few weeks ago, went over the passage where Jesus gets down and he washes the feet of his disciples. The wash pot is the, the pot that would catch the dirty water. These enemies that you're worried about, nothing more than a worthless pan. They serve me. I rule over them. I'm in control. Edom, I will cast my shoe. It's the place where when I get home, I just throw my shoes to the side. The little corner, worthless. Philistia, I will shout in victory and triumph over them. The picture here in these four verses is of a victorious God. Of a God who, who rules and who reigns. Not just over his people, but over all of creation, even over their enemies. Even their enemies are in the hand of their God. And that fact gives David confidence, as we see in verses 9 to 12. Well, who will bring me to the strong city? Who will lead me to Edom? Who is it that will go before me in battle? Is it not you, O oh God? Now, it's interesting here the, in verse 10. Is it not you, O oh God, who cast us off? The very thing he says in verse 1, Oh God, you have cast us off. The God who cast us off is the God who will be our salvation. Is it not you, O oh God, who cast us off? And, and, and as David says that, it's not, it's not a, a, a hint of accusation. Can we trust you, God? You cast us off once before. It's confidence that is in his voice. He knows if God cast them off before, it was because of their sin. Or it was because God knew what he was doing. It wasn't because God let them down. And so I will trust you, God. You are my only hope. You are the one who will lead me to victory. The same God who cast me off will be my salvation. And you, O oh God, who did not go out with our armies. Give us help from trouble. For the help of man is useless. I don't want armies. I don't want chariots. I don't want archers. 
I don't want swordsmen. I don't want mighty men. I want you, God. My hope is not in chariots or horses. My hope is in the Lord. So give us help from trouble. You are the only one who can give us help from trouble. You are our sovereign God who rules over creation. You hear us. You know us. Help us. Notice the confidence in David's voice. Through God we will do valiantly. For it is he who shall tread down our enemies. It is he who will do this. Just as their defeat was in the sovereign hand of God, so their victory will be God's doing. It is he who shall tread down our enemies. God alone is their hope. The big grand Scroge wrote this, the psalm that begins with a groan ends with a shout. The psalm that begins with a groan ends with a shout. David begins in the midst of confusion and he ends confidently. I will trust in my God. David is not ruled by his situation because he knows that his God is in control. His God is in control of not just Israel, but even Israel's enemies. God is in control. His God rules. So I will trust. I will trust. It's a psalm for teaching. Now what is it that it teaches? It teaches us that our hope is in God alone. Our hope is in God alone. He's a God who's in complete control. He's a God who hears. He's a faithful God who keeps his promises. And just as he was faithful to his people Israel, he'll be faithful to us and the promises that he has made us. Trust in your God, regardless of your circumstances. Cling to him. Even in the midst of confusion, in the midst of chaos, trust him. Find hope in him and in him alone. Don't trust in man. Man can do nothing. God alone is our salvation.